0: my friend, and welcome to this new episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Woods Podcast. I am so glad that you decided to take this step with me, and I pray that God will bless you so that the gospel, uh, and especially this week that is an incredibly beautiful gospel passage, may really fill your heart, your mind, so that in receiving and claiming God's mercy for you, you will be able to discover what it really means to be a child of God. Um, Let's open our hearts and minds so that indeed we may remain focused on He who speaks to us and reveals to us the love that God has for all.
1: Let us pray. Look upon us, O God, creator and ruler of all things, and That we may feel the working of your mercy, granted we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. With you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the 99 in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it, and when he does it, He sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or, what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He then said, a man had two sons, and the youngest son said to his father, Father, forgive me. Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the youngest son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hid himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine, and he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now, the older son had been out in the field and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, "Look." All these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered a fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what an awesome liturgy of the word we have. This gospel passage that comes to us only once in three years. And it's the, probably the chapter in the Gospel of Luke that contains the most beautiful parables ever, right? We, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy knowing the fact that whatever we consider to be lost in the eyes of God is actually always there. He knows exactly where we are. He knows where the ship is, and the coin is. We, he knows where we are. And that's why we rejoice, because no matter how we feel about things, He has found us. And He has found us because of His great love for us. Out of His love, He's constantly looking where we are. But we as disciples of Jesus, we are learning from God, from Jesus, how to be indeed in this wonderful relationship. How we can properly respond to His great love for us. He knows where we are all the time. Out of love, He finds us and we have to do the same. Out of love, we have to look for Him because He can be found. This is the, the God we worship. A God who wants us to find Him. A God who's telling us, I am closer to you than you are to yourself. And that, I hope, puts us in the, in the right mood to receive the Word today, right? There is good news. God wants us to find Him, and He's telling us how to do that. But we also know that what God wants us to have, once we find Him, all the gifts that He has, He wants us to be truly free. You remember we heard that in the opening prayer last Sunday. We pray so that we may receive the gift of true freedom. And how can we be truly free? Only when we can be ourselves. And God is very jealous of our freedom. I wish we would be serious about our freedom as God is about our freedom. And therefore, in order for us to remain free, God has given us the law. He's given us certain rules that says, if you do this, you will remain in this freedom. If you do not, you're gonna go back to slavery. This is something we ought to remember because in the first reading, we hear that God is handling the fact that he has given them the law and the Israelites are doing the opposite. And now he, is, he needs to do something about it. What happens when we break the law? Well, the justice system kicks in. Right. And that's exactly what's happening in the first reading. And I really enjoy the fact that as God and Moses are having this conversation about the fact that it has been a violation of law. And now because of the covenant, God has to be just. Moses realizes that God, if God follows justice, none of them will survive. And therefore, he reminds God, hey, you are bigger than that your god of love do something about it and god says okay that's true and we see because of this that god's way of doing justice is experienced by us as mercy not too long ago as a matter of fact it was quite some time ago Um, I was in a place far, far away. I was driving to uh, go to a retreat place, and uh, I stopped at um, a resting area, and there were a group of people who were there, also resting, and they were ready to go to a particular place, I don't remember where they were going, to complain and to, um, because that particular town decided to remove the Ten Commandments from outside City Hall. Okay, there's been quite a lot of those things going right? on. And they wanted to go there to protest and say, no, we want them, we want them. And of course, they realized I was a priest, and um, very likely by what I was wearing. And, um, and they said, Father, you know, we're doing this. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's very awesome. Uh, we want the Ten Commandments there. Ah, you know, that was a big thing. And I said, well, Father, would you give us a blessing? Oh, of course I will give you a blessing. And I did the unthinkable. I said, well, I said a prayer and then I said, well, since it's so important to have those 10 commandments, we're going to recite the 10 commandments. I know, that's a God that got the same reaction. <laughs> they were going, "Oh, okay." So, uh, you shall have no other god about before me. There is one about adultery. God help those who help themselves. I don't know who still. It was a mess. It was a mess. So I was trying very kind of to back, like me, me, you know, try to okay. We don't want to say the Ten Commandments too difficult, maybe. But we're protesting. So uh, my point is, what are we protesting here? It's just because there is a thing, or because we believe in them. And if we believe in them, how much we really believe them? So I said, well, I'm sure that as a way of, the best way of protesting is, for example, making sure that the Ten Commandments are displayed in our homes, right? You all have them somewhere?
0: (laughs) Well, it's kind of there.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So I gave them the blessing anyway. But it made me think, Sometimes we want other people to follow our Judeo-Christian values, but we don't know them ourselves. Or we do not consider them as important, but we say they are. So there is a little conversion there. But God gave us these Ten Commandments, and we forget why he gave them in the first place. Why did he give us the Ten Commandments? Why do we have all these laws? Why is it that both Judaism and Christianity are identified as religions of laws? Why? He told us. It's even present in the first reading this Sunday. He said, I am the one who got you out of slavery, out of Egypt. And therefore, because I want you to be free, you do this. The law has given, been given to us out of love so that by responding in love, we can remain in this freeing relationship that we have with God and with each other. Do you understand? That's why we follow the law. The rules and regulations there are always given to us to move closer to God in love. And when we move closer to God in love, you've got to be moving closer to one another as well. The two are not mutually exclusive, especially in Christianity. We cannot say, I love God, and not love our neighbor. The two are now intimately connected. Now, do we understand why it's a big deal for God when we break the law? Because we break the law always by denying His love, And not loving ourselves, because we are going to end up enslaving ourselves. So now God, because he loves us so much, demands justice. But the way justice is seen from the point of view of God is, as Pope Francis reminded us a couple of years ago, is through mercy. Mercy is not a relaxation of the law. I remember when we had the Year of Mercy. You remember a couple of years ago when we had the Year of Mercy? Uh, some people, some super-Catholic, uh, said, no, we should not be doing focusing on mercy because otherwise people will take advantage of God. So we will go for a Year of Judgment. One? Anyway. But why because they misunderstood what mercy is we think that mercy is a relaxation of the law so i'm giving you the rule you break it and i say oh it's okay and then i'm merciful not at all mercy is a type of love that allows me let's say this let me who have been offended by your breaking the law to treat you not as you deserve, that's justice. To treat the other as he or she deserves, that's justice. But mercy is I treat you better than you deserve. Did you hear the difference? Justice, I treat you according to your crime. We in the United States are a country of laws. You break them, there are consequences. Christians are have a different mindset. You remember we have been dealing this in order for us to be Christians It means to pick on the values of God and make them our own to love what God loves who God loves in the way that God loves them That's what makes us Christians And therefore we see that God says yes, there is a law. Yes, you break it There are consequences, but the way I'm going to treat you is better than what you deserve why? When we are treated in the way we deserve, very seldom we are going to come out of it better than we were before. How do I know it? Because I experienced that. When I was slightly younger, my, and I did something wrong, my parents granted me. And they would very kindly send me... That was ironic. It was never kind. They would send me to my room to think about what I did. of the time, I was in my room, not thinking about what I did. I was thinking mostly about what was done to me. And how unfair that punishment was. Yes? And most of the time, I would even think about how to retaliate. That's justice. That's what justice creates, called justice. Mercy instead, allows us to see that what I've received out of love is going to change me because love always begets love. And that's where the challenge is. So we implement the laws, even as Christians involved in public service, but always with the dignity of the person in mind. It's not necessarily that we have to implement the laws, but how we do it. That's what makes a Christian different than all other people. Are you with me? Now look at what's happening. In the gospel we see that Jesus is being criticized because he was treating sinners not as they sh- were supposed to be treated as people to reject, but he was having dinner with them. Remember in the culture of Jesus, Mediterranean culture, we are obsessed over eating, right? I don't know if you know any Italian friend, you know we've we got to eat, no matter what we do. But even at the Eucharist, right, it is at table when we break wine, uh, bread and drink wine that enemies become friends. So Jesus is inviting sinners closer to Him so that they can feel communion with God. Pope Francis has been doing this since the beginning. And he's completely misunderstood by a lot of people. But his idea is very simple, following Jesus. Let the sinner come closer to God and let God change the sinner's heart. Not us. We don't. Right? So we want to receive that mercy. Look at the parables. When the par- the Jesus is telling the parable of the lost sheep, He said, How many of you will leave 99 in the desert? The answer is nobody. Because you will go back and you have 99 lost sheep. Now, what happens? Instead, he does that. And instead of saying to the lost sheep, well, you deserve being eaten by wolves because you went away. And instead, no, God goes after. And instead of when he founds it, he's never beating the sheep down, you know, like, oh, go back to your room or whatever you put the sheep, I don't know. But, and say, and think what you've done because you will be punished. Instead, what does he do? He takes it, puts it on his shoulder. And shows mercy. And that's how we're treated. The most frightening part of the parable of the prodigal son for me is the fact that the older son is still in the old mindset. The older son still relates to God, not as a son, but as a slave. And I think a lot of us Christians who have been going to church for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Some of us are still relating to God, not as a father, but as a master. And we still struggle to find ways in which God has to love us. And God is telling us, hey, everything I have is yours. You're my child. I am your father. Change your mind and start Treating me and treat yourself for who you are, a beloved child of God. Isn't that amazing? This is the God we worship, the God who's willing to do the unthinkable to reach close to us and out of mercy and through mercy, reaching out, finding us and say, come back home, welcome home. And that's why I enjoy, I like to start liturgical celebration always with that greeting welcome home because we belong here in god's house as we continue to pray we want to thank the lord that god is revealing himself to us as a loving father and we bring to the altar our struggles and hopefully our commitment to say yes to receive god's love enjoy his mercy and do our best to spread it all around because only in that way we will create an environment What God's love can continue to change lives so that people out there will be able to hear God calling them to his altar and share with them the most beautiful greeting that we will hear when we will see God face to face. Welcome home.
0: Thank you so much for joining me in this step that we have taken together closer and closer to the Father's heart. I wish you well, and I hope that you have a wonderful and blessed week. I'm looking forward to sharing with you God's Word next week. God bless, and bye-bye.